Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, everyone. I'm your host, Ian, and we are going through everything that made news in the world of pro wrestling this week. But we will omit any information that could possibly spoil upcoming shows, storylines, angles, match results, things like that, so that you can enjoy pro wrestling without any spoilers, without knowing what's going to happen before it does. So let's start with what I believe, in my opinion, was the biggest piece of news that happened in wrestling this week, and that is WWE releasing Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega, who had played a major role on the Raw brand throughout 2020. I mean, she was a very, she played a pivotal role on Raw for a long time. She was, she got a lot of screen time. She's part of a major angle there with Andrade and Hel Garza. It seemed like they were a big part of Raw. But Zelina Vega has also been a big part of this controversy surrounding WWE's new policy of banning its stars from working with third parties like Twitch and Cameo. Now, oddly enough, YouTube isn't included in this. Like, Xavier Woods's Up, Up, Down, Down channel is fine. Not all fits with WWE's new policy, but Twitch and Cameo, no. And related to this, WWE put out a job advertisement this week looking for someone to help with Twitch. So clearly WWE's got a strategy. They're going into Twitch. They want to make some money there, and they're going to try and make money through having their superstars on their Twitch channel, thus leading to this ban. So the issue that many have brought up with this is that Zelina Vega wasn't a WWE employee. She was an independent contractor. So technically, and I'm not familiar with labor laws in the United States, but technically being an independent contractor should allow her to make money in other areas. So if WWE is preventing her from making money in other areas, is she an independent contractor or is she an employee? Now, one person who's really involved in this or is really interested in what's going on with this is former 2020 U.S. presidential candidate Andrew Yang. Now, Andrew Yang believes that he is likely going to be in Joe Biden's cabinet or will likely be in a position where he can speak with the minister of labor um, easily. Right. Like he can just make a phone call, walk down the hall, speak with the minister of labor and say, hey, WWE is playing this both ways. They're denying their wrestlers benefits that an employee would get, such as health care. But they are also preventing their independent contractors from doing things that independent contractors should be allowed to do, or should based on my understanding of uh, these labor laws. So Andrew Yang's kind of point is like, I'm not going to forget about this. I'm going to... You know, I'm going to be in Biden's cabinet and we're I'm not going to forget what Vince McMahon is doing here. But there's a bunch of other issues like all wrestlers are are classified as independent contractors. This isn't just a WWE thing. It goes to other promotions as well. However, in other promotions, they aren't preventing their wrestlers from making money in other ways. Right. Like it, like there's all sorts of people from AEW on Twitch. There's uh, people from Impact on Twitch and Cameo and, and places like that. So I don't know where this goes. It's not 
for certain that just because Andrew Yang is in Biden's cabinet, can speak with the Minister of Labor, that's no guarantee that they're able to shut down WWE's policy here. WWE has lawyers. These things go through courts. So it definitely wouldn't be something that would happen right away. Like, we're not going to get a press release on Mondays saying, uh, that's it. They're not independent contractors. Like, this is something that would be very drawn out if there's uh, any changes made. Well, maybe. I mean, who knows? But it seems to me like this is something that would be a lot more drawn out and could take years rather than months or weeks. But that's just speculation. Again, I have, I have no experience with United States <laughs> labor laws. But Andrew Yang has said, hey, I'm going to make this an issue. So there's going to be a fight. And Zelina Vega, one could assume she implied something similar behind the scenes. And WWE maybe decided to, uh, to make an example out of her. Now, this seems horrible, right? Like, if you're a, a WWE fan and you look at this and you, you're like, what an, uh, uh, like, this is an exploitation of the wrestlers who dreamed of wanting to be in WWE so much that they're, they're willing to, to, to forego that they're not being treated fairly or something like that. And it just goes back to Vince McMahon. I mean, his mentality is similar to what the mentality on this issue would have been back in the eighties. It's like, look, the reason you're famous is because we put you on our television. We made you a WWE superstar. So if you're out there making money off your fame that we created for you, where's our cut? Is basically what they're saying. But that's not how the world works anymore. You can be famous without any middleman whatsoever. You just need yourself and a, um, like a webcam and a Twitter account. And if you do enough stuff that people are interested in, you're going to be famous and you can monetize that and you can make a bit of money. WWE doesn't, they're not living in that world yet. They haven't got there yet. They've lived so much of their life in the before time, the before social media time, that they feel they own their superstars, that their superstars owe 100% of their fame to WWE. And I don't think that's the case anymore. Now, is Zelina Vega's Twitch account more popular than it would have been without her being in WWE? Of course, WWE is a huge stage and it, it pushed her celebrity out there. But Zelina Vega or uh, Taya Trinidad, I believe is her real name. I mean, she was in TNA before. She's done wrestling outside of WWE. So she could have been building her Twitch channel the, this whole time. And maybe she would have been able to build her Twitch channel to where it would be even without WWE. We don't know. But there's a fight coming on this. There's a fight coming on this in a few areas. The first sort of blow, I think, is Zelina Vega getting released. Because what WWE is saying to the rest of the roster is, okay, we're done debating this. If you're not going to follow through, you're fired. But what WWE maybe doesn't realize right now is wrestlers and members of their roster have far more options today than they did even a few years ago. 
just with AEW, with Impact is offering bigger contracts than ever before. Ring of Honor is offering bigger contracts uh, ever before. And wrestlers are able to capitalize off their fame in ways that they've never been able to do before. So some of these people that WWE is thinking, oh, they'll, ne they'll never quit. Yeah, maybe they will. Maybe they're not as afraid of getting fired as WWE thinks they are. Now, like, really, do you believe that Paige makes more from WWE right now than she does from other things she does on the side? I mean, she can't wrestle. She never appears on the show. How much are they really paying her? It's not enough to prevent her from speaking out about this because she's been very vocal about this. So I think this thing with third parties, this is just beginning. This is just getting started now. And it's going to be very interesting when we find out just how serious Andrew Yang is going to be taking this and what position he's going to be in on, what is it, January 20th? When the new administration gets in. This, this is just started. And the second biggest piece of news that I think happened this week. I don't know. This, this, I mean, in your opinion, this might be bigger than Zelina Vega getting fired. But AEW announced that Kenny Omega will challenge for the AEW World Championship against Jon Moxley on December 2nd. Just a straight up episode of Dynamite. What are we? So it's, yeah, two, three weeks away. Three weeks away. Two weeks away. I don't know. No one can figure this out. Um, 16 days away from when this podcast is being released, I believe. And this is, you could argue, it's definitely the biggest match that AEW has ever put on free television. Definitely, I think. These are your two top wrestlers. I mean, when AEW started, everybody... Everybody assumed Kenny Omega was going to be a perennial world title contender slash champion. I think a lot of people probably pegged Omega as the likely first champion. I think probably more people pegged Chris Jericho as the first champion with Kenny Omega being the, the baby face to come along and take the title from him. But that role was given to John Moxley. And up on the site right now, we have an article that's written in storyline, basically previewing this match between Omega and John Moxley. And it's, it's something I've wanted to do for a while, where we put out articles that are just storyline-based. And when you look at their records, neither one of... Well, John Moxley has never lost a singles match in AEW. He went to one time limit draw, and that I think he's like 22-0-1. Or maybe even better than that, like 23-0-1. Anyway, it's in the article. And Kenny Omega hasn't lost a singles match since August of 2019 when he lost to Pac. Now, technically, he lost about he lost a lights out match to John Moxley about a year ago at Full Gear 2019. However, in AEW canon, lights out matches don't matter in terms of win-loss records or uh, as it concerns championships. So that match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley in storyline, it doesn't matter. It's something that the fans know happened, right? We all saw it happen. 
The match was even fined $10,000 by the Maryland Athletic Commission for being too violent. That actually happened, by the way. The The Athletic Commission in Maryland, um, like a lot of wrestling happens in the Baltimore area. I mean, Ring of Honor's home base is in is in that area. But they don't like excessive violence in the wrestling. And the Athletic Commission will get involved. If you have a match that's too violent, where somebody, they don't like blading. Like if somebody um, uses a blade to cut themselves, that's a fine. But if you accidentally get busted open, that's, that's fine. That, that is fine. Whereas the other one will result in a fine. Boy, those words shouldn't be the same. Fine and fine. That seems like a problem. Anyway, is it fine that I do this? No, it's a fine. So it is fine. No, it's a fine. Okay. I like, I'm sure that's, that conversation has taken place. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry, everyone. But anyway, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, December 2nd. So they have wrestled before. Technically, though, the match didn't count. But that match lights out hardcore match, crazy hardcore match. So when Kenny Omega comes out at the end of full gear, after John Moxley has defeated Eddie Kingston, and there's barbed wire and weapons all around the ring, Kenny sort of motions like i don't want anything to do with this all these you know we did this before we're gonna wrestle under traditional pro wrestling rules with the idea being all right the last match they wrestled that played into john moxley's strength john moxley loves death matches john moxley was a czw death match wrestler before he was a wwe superstar now kenny omega has done lots of similar matches like that as well um He's very well-versed in that style. However, in this particular instance, Omega must be thinking, all right, we've already wrestled once in that style, and he won. So now let's wrestle under traditional pro wrestling rules. And there, all have the advantage. You know. But then you have to wonder, like, does Kenny Omega, is Kenny Omega about to become the new AEW world champion? John Moxley has held that title for, it'll be nine months when we get to uh, the December 2nd Dynamite. It'll be nine months that Moxley's held the title and he's defended it nine times. Won it at Revolution in February. It's gone through like a who's who of challengers. But now is this the end for John Moxley's title reign? Is Moxley has never lost. He lost one tag team match, but he's never lost a singles match. Omega hasn't lost in a year. This is a big match. These are their two best wrestlers. In storyline and in non-kayfabe, you could argue. And they're going to clash on December 2nd with the title on the line. This is a huge match to throw on free TV. Now, if AEW was doing a monthly pay-per-view schedule, this would never go out on Dynamite. But they don't have a pay-per-view again until February. So why not throw this match out there and get a gigantic rating? Because this will get a gigantic rating. And the first thing I thought about when they said they were going to do this match on Dynamite, I was reminded of when Raw pulled ahead of Nitro for the first time in the, in the ratings. So WCW was like, oh, crap. So they gave away Goldberg versus Hollywood Hogan for free. 
Now, I, there's a lot of difference between what AEW is doing here and what WW or what WCW did then. I don't think it's a bad thing that Omega versus Moxley is going on free TV, but I think it's a a huge match to just give away. Um, but I mean, maybe the match will be so popular, garner such an audience that it'll just dynamite will just get a boost in the ratings moving forward from it. Like not just on that night, but moving forward, dynamite's always got a bigger audience. Maybe something like that could happen, but that is a pay-per-view main event on free TV, December 2nd. The next bit of news I want to talk about also comes from AEW dynamite. There's a lot of news. It was a very eventful week for AEW, like full the the dynamite after full gear really felt like a night after WrestleMania. You know how it's not so much this anymore, but it used to be the night after WrestleMania is where all the new storylines start. And you know, you finish off everything at WrestleMania and then you basically start the new season the night after WrestleMania. This Dynamite really felt like a night after WrestleMania type show where all of these new storylines were introduced. All of a sudden, we don't care about John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston anymore. Now we're thinking about Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. We're not thinking about Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allin anymore. We're now thinking about Cody Rhodes and Shaquille O'Neal. So Cody's cutting a promo. He's talking about how he lost the title to Darby Allen. And I always, it, I know other people feel like this too, but it always bugs me a little bit when like the loser of a title match gets the promo and then the winner of the title match just basically sits in the stands like Darby Allen was doing. But in this case, there was definitely a reason for it as uh, Shaquille O'Neal's name coming into AEW storylines was sort of, a big thing on this show. So Cody's cutting a promo wearing a, an entirely white suit because he's Cody Rhodes and he'll do things like that. He's cutting a promo and he's saying, we're not going to go for an immediate rematch with Darby Allen, which is good because it gives Darby Allen a chance to have a title reign, defend the title against guys like Ricky Starks. So he's saying, no, there's another loss on my record. I want to avenge starts talking about Maxwell, Jacob Friedman. And all of a sudden, Jade Cargill is in the ring. And many wrestling fans were, were probably going, who's this? Many other wrestling fans were probably going, I think I know who this is. I've seen her before. But here's this woman with tremendous abs. That was about, I, I missed the first little bit of what she was saying. I was like, those are like, she's got like 12 abs protruding there. Is this Tony Nice? Anyway, she cuts a promo. Now think about this for a second. This was really her first promo on a major stage in wrestling. And she's in there with Cody, who's arguably one of, if not the best promos in wrestling. And she's basically introducing this major angle. This is a lot to throw on someone their first time with a live mic. That's a, that's a, Big, that's like somebody's 
first at bat in Major League Baseball being in maybe not the World Series, but definitely the playoffs or an important game that could determine playoff seeding. I don't know. Just a lot. A lot for this, uh, you know, abdominally strong woman. So she cuts a promo that was a little slow at times. It seemed very much like, you know, an actor saying her lines, but that's what you're going to get from somebody who's doing this for the first time. It was still fine. Like it was, it was totally fine. Like for somebody doing their first promo, it was good. For someone in this spot, it was, it was all right. It's fine. But the point is she starts running down Cody saying he's not bold enough or brave enough to go by just one name. And she says she represents a giant and that giant's name is Shaq. And this was something because Shaquille O'Neal, he signed a deal with TNT like he does commentary for the basketball. So this is this is all in-house for TNT, right? If we get Shaquille O'Neal on our wrestling show, that's good advertising for our wrestling show. And Shaquille O'Neal being on our wrestling show, it's probably good advertise, advertising for our NBA shows. You know, get some of these wrestling fans into NBA as well. I'm sure plenty are, but, you know, get some more in. And Shaq's had sort of, uh, how do you, how do you explain Shaq's relationship with wrestling? It's sort of like, he's clearly a fan. He's around it a fair bit. He was backstage at Full Gear. There was, uh, he presented the title to the winner of a Hogan versus Flair match one time, like back during his playing career. And then it seemed like he was supposed to wrestle the big show at WrestleMania one year, and then it just didn't happen. And later Shaq kind of put out a thing sort of blaming WWE for it all falling apart. And then there was rumors that WWE wasn't happy with Shaq's attitude about getting in shape or something like that. But regardless, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal and WWE just couldn't find a way to work together to put on something that probably would have been a big match. I think a lot of people would have tuned in to WrestleMania to see Big Show versus Shaq. I'm sure when Big Show wrestled Floyd Mayweather at WrestleMania, that brought in a new fans to get eyes on the product and things like that. But now it seems like, all right, we're going to try it again or AEW is going to try it for the first time. We know Shaq's a wrestling fan. You just kind of wonder, like, okay, well, now you've put Shaq's name out there. You know, is it is it going to happen? Because earlier we saw Mike Tyson come out, and it looked like Mike Tyson and Chris Jericho were going to get into a feud. But, well, it looks like that's not happening. Or if it does happen, it's it's going to be way down the line as, as Tyson's doing other things. So the hope is that we actually get to pay this off, and we do see Cody versus Shaq. But we've played this game with Shaq before. And it doesn't result in him actually getting in the ring. So hopefully it will this time. Because I think, just like Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, Cody versus Shaq would do a huge rating on TNT for Dynamite. And I don't know how much exactly they would have to pay for it. Because Shaq's already a TNT employee and this is a TNT show. I'm sure they got to give him something. But I'm also sure that whatever they give him is some type of discounted good deal. Something that WWE wouldn't get away with paying. 
But I don't know. That's just speculation. That's just me saying he's a TNT employee. He's going to be doing this on TNT. So here you go. But that's Cody versus Shaq. And we'll just have to see what happens with that angle. The final thing from Dynamite I want to talk about. Like I said, it was a very eventful show on Dynamite this week. All these new storylines started. And Tony Khan actually put out a tweet before Dynamite this week saying, just, you know, the uh, we got a great show. The balance of power in wrestling is about to change. I was like, wow, that's a man. That's a big announcement they got coming. And lots of announcements were made. But I don't know what he was referring to. Like when he said the balance of power, and then they announced Omega versus Moxley. I was like, oh, that's it, right? That they're going to do Moxley versus Omega on December 2nd. That's the big announcement. Or, but, but then when Shaq's name was put out there, I was like, oh, that's the big announcement. Cody versus Shaq. But then when Pac returned in the final segment, and, that's what, and the rumors are that Pac returning was the, the balance of power. Tony Khan loves the shit out of Pac. Pack coming back is bigger than Shaq debuting or Omega versus Moxley on um, uh, on December second. Like what? <laughs> I mean, Pack's great. Don't get me wrong, but is Pack someone who's really going to upset the balance of power in pro wrestling? I don't. I don't think so. I don't. You know, the balance of power. I would be like. You know, it'd be something huge where you would expect that after it's announced, AEW is getting like 2 million viewers a week. But that's, that that wasn't that. But anyway, Pac did return and it was cool. So they had Pentagon versus Phoenix in this crazy lucha match. uh, Very reminiscent of what you would see the two do in, in AAA. Pentagon comes out the winner. And then Eddie Kingston gets in the ring and just sort of like nudge, like, kind of kicks Phoenix with his foot, kicks him out of the ring. And all of a sudden it's clear, like, like Phoenix doesn't matter. And Pentagon matters. Pentagon's Kingston's best friend. And, you know, I think Kingston sees something in Pentagon. Sees like, ah, maybe I'll, I'll ride this Pentagon guy to the championship or something. And Phoenix can't help me anymore. So I'm just going to nudge him out of the ring. I thought that was really, really interesting. But then as they're doing that, Pac comes out, Pac, who we haven't seen since the start of the pandemic. He comes out, and remember, Pac was in the death triangle with the Lucha Bros. That was their trio. Then the pandemic hits. Pac is uh, stuck in Europe. The Lucha Bros. uh, What happened with them? Wasn't it like one was stuck in Mexico, the other could come in? I can't remember. But during the pandemic era, with Pac gone, the Lucha Bros join up with Eddie Kingston and the Butcher and the Blade. And they're this sort of family type thing that Kingston keeps talking about. But now pack back. And this is an instant rivalry with Eddie Kingston. All of a sudden the guy who he, the Lucha bros used to be in a faction with is now going at it with this guy who's sort of leading this new faction. But we know that Kingston's intentions with the Lucha bros and possibly butcher and the blade as well. They're not, they're, they're definitely not altruistic. He's got his own motives in mind. And we've seen, he'll he'll give little hints here and there. Like when he first got the whole family to hug, he sort of winked at the camera. You know, that kind of thing. Just to let you know, like, "Eh, I'm not really on the level here. I got something on my sleeve. 
So now we got Pac moving into a feud with Eddie Kingston. And what that means for, say, the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. Like, is Kingston's little faction dead? Are they going to feud with the Death Triangle? Like, maybe we'll get that. Maybe we'll get Death Triangle versus Kingston and Butcher and the Blade. Something like that. But Pac is back, and Tony Khan is definitely very happy about it. I, I'm, look, Pac's great. Pac's a fantastic wrestler. I'm so thrilled that Pac's back. But is Pac going to change the balance of power? No, no. It would have been just cooler if his tweet was not, we're going to change the, the balance of power. It was, we're going to have an amazing wrestling show, and cool stuff's going to happen on this wrestling show. You won't want to miss our very cool wrestling show. And then Pac comes back, and everybody would have gone, wow, Pac came back, Cody's Wrestling Shack, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley on free TV. What an awesome wrestling show. That was an accurate tweet by Tony Khan. But regardless of the tweet, it was an amazing dynamite. I mean, just so much happened. And we've got these three big angles now that are going to move the company forward. And we've got a huge dynamite on December 2nd to look forward to. Possibly the biggest dynamite of all time. It, I mean, it would have to do really well to be the most viewed dynamite of all time. Because that first episode that got like a million and a half. But it'll definitely do a, like it'll definitely do a number. I mean, it could get over a million. It'll do a number that's above what they're used to doing. Like, it'll do a monster number in comparison to their other ratings. And it could lead to Kenny Omega being the new AEW world champion, the new face of the company, and having main event matches with the top challengers in the company. The next thing I want to talk about is poor Chelsea Green. Oh, dear. So let's travel back in time to May. Chelsea Green's on NXT. She's being managed by Robert Stone. And I thought this was a really good pick. Like, I felt like Chelsea Green was really coming into her own in the role, you know? Like, she did all that stuff as the hot mess and impact and stuff like that, but... You know, I think there's really only so far you can you can take something like that. And I think she had taken it as far as she could. She needed to break out of that in WWE. And she just sort of came in as as this almost like throwback to the Divas division with Robert Stone as her manager, sort of like her talent agent. And I thought it was a cool thing, but it barely lasted long. And then she fired Robert Stone and was gone from NXT programming. And it seemed like a main roster debut could come at any moment. And time just kept marching on and marching on. No Chelsea Green anywhere. And evidently this was because Paul Heyman wanted to use her in a role. And then when Paul Heyman was released from his position, then she just kind of fell into some limbo. Then on SmackDown, basically out of nowhere, they're talking about a triple threat match with the winner going on to be on the SmackDown Women's Survivor Series team on the pay-per-view. And it's Natalia, Tamina, and Liv Morgan. And then 
the camera pans out and we see Chelsea Green. She's finally on the main roster, finally on SmackDown. It's been, how long ago was May? I don't even know. No one can figure out how long ago May was. Maybe six months. Feels like eight years at this point for 2020 time. Hasn't wrestled in so long. Her first match back. I'm not sure if this is when it happened, but she was sort of drop kicked off the apron and fell into the barricade. She breaks her wrist. She puts out a tweet and an Instagram post later that night saying like, of course, basically like, of course, you know, I, I was going to have one more obstacle in the way of me making my debut. Of course, that's what was going to happen. She had a broken wrist that was bad enough that she needed surgery. So she's on the shelf about 15 minutes after she, she was taken off the bench. She's now put on the shelf with an injury. And there's no timetable for her debut, or for her return, excuse me. Uh, you know, broken wrist. She'll have to heal that up, and then she'll have to wait for storylines to allow her back in again. So, yet another obstacle for this graduate of Lance Storm Storm Wrestling Academy, former Knockouts champion. Um, we'll just we'll just have to see, but she's going to be on the shelf for a few months, and then uh, we'll see what WWE has planned for her. When she returns. All right, next up, we got Survivor Series coming next Sunday. And so we'll delay this show until next Monday so we can talk about uh, what happens next Sunday. But we got an article up on the site right now where we talk about shouldn't Survivor Series be a bigger deal? And my whole point here is that the champion versus champion format of Survivor Series, if pro wrestling were a real sport, this would be the most important night of the year. This would be like the playoff finals, uh, or maybe just the playoffs. This would be where we find out who the true best of the best is, and that's even the tagline that they're using, is best of the best. Well, isn't finding out who the best of the best is the most important night of the year, the most important part of your sport altogether? Like, why isn't it being treated that way? Well, I know why it's not being treated that way. The reason that it, it, that this format for Survivor Series isn't treated like it's the be-all and end-all of the year for WWE is because they don't treat it that way. The person who wins the champion versus champion match gets nothing for it. They don't get a belt. They don't get a trophy. I think a trophy would really make the most sense. You could even do like a medal. There could be some type of ceremony. Like there has to be some reward for winning these matches or else it conveys to the fans that these matches don't matter. So what's happened is it's been conveyed to the fans that these champion versus champion matches don't matter when they really should matter the most out of any matches. And, you know, like what, what's a bigger deal? You've got a raw champion all year long. You got a SmackDown champion all year long in the one night of the year where those two champions wrestle each other is survivor series and nobody cares. Nobody cares because it's not treated as a big deal. So in this article, I talk about how, like, in my head, I just treat it like Survivor Series is a big deal. 
my head cannon for fans of wrestling's greatest war who have pointed out how much I've loved this word since discovering it. My head cannon is survivor series is the be all end all who's going to be the champion of champions. That's the most important thing. Now, the reason why it's not given this level of importance in my opinion is probably because WWE doesn't want to piss off either Fox or the USA network. So if you have the raw champion go over the SmackDown champion, then USA network's happy, but the Fox network isn't happy. Uh, and you know, vice versa, of course. So you would end up having to do this like sort of, well, we'll let raw get one and we'll let SmackDown get one. And it would have to be this sort of 50, 50 thing. Another reason I don't think they do it this way is you don't want to devalue the losing title, right? So let's say Oscar beats Sasha Banks in the raw champion versus SmackDown champion match. And then does the SmackDown Women's Championship then feel inferior to the Raw Women's Championship? So that's a factor, too. But if all of this was happening in reality, Survivor Series would be the biggest night of the year. We would find out who's the best tag team in WWE. You only find that out during the Survivor Series. Who's the best women's wrestler in WWE? You only find that out at Survivor Series. Who's the best men's wrestler in WWE? You only find that out at Survivor Series. And then you've got the five-on-five. Five, well, you've also got the mid-card title, which is Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. I just don't know, like, what, what do you gain by being the best mid-carder in a company? It's like you're the best of the B team. It's kind of like winning the NBA's Sixth Man Award. Like, awesome, way to go. But if you were a little bit better, you'd be starting. There's also the traditional five-on-five matches. And often you can kind of even, like, like a division almost gets ranked in these matches, right? Like, if you're one of the surviving members of a winning team, you're at the very top of your division after. And this, this has played out. They have done this this way, right? Like, and you're at, uh, meanwhile, if you get like eliminated first for your team, you're kind of at the bottom of the division after and have to work your way up. They don't say this though. They never say it, but it does kind of play out that way for the most part. I haven't like gone through and done like, uh, you know, analytics on this, but it seems to me that that's how this kind of works out. So all I'm saying is if you read this article and you're listening to me right now, you have the choice in your mind. You can decide the Survivor Series is the biggest night of WWE's year. It's not, but you can lie to myself. You can lie to yourself. Well, you can lie to myself, too. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. There are six matches announced for Survivor Series. Here they are. Team Raw versus Team SmackDown, the men's traditional Survivor Series elimination match. On Raw, you've got AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Matt Riddle. Uh, they're doing sort of an angle on Raw right now where AJ Styles wants everyone to, to recognize him as the captain. It's, it's, you don't need to watch it. Just I'll tell you if something happens that you need to watch. Uh, just listen to me next week. I'll let you know. Um... Team SmackDown is Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and they still got one a person to name. So that'll probably come on Friday. Then in the women's uh, Survivor Series match, 
Got Team Raw is Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Lana. And uh, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, obviously the women's tag team champions. I believe Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke have formed a team. And Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler put Lana through a table every week. Um, this is not something that you need to be watching either. Uh, <laughs> they'll take on the SmackDown team, which is Bianca Belair. Yes, Bianca Belair. I'm glad she's doing well. Two members of the Riot Squad in there, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan on a pay-per-view. Gotta love it. And uh, two members still to be determined for the SmackDown brand. Natalia seems to be pushing very hard to be added. We'll just see what goes on there. Then we've got Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. I would recommend listening to Sami Zayn's promos in the buildup to this match. They're hilarious. Uh, Zayn talks about how Bobby Lashley represents only one country because he's the United States champion. Meanwhile, Sami Zayn's the intercontinental champion. He's the champion of multiple continents. That's way more important in Sami Zayn's mind. But we'll see. Sami Zayn sort of eked out a title defense on, on SmackDown there, beating Apollo Crews. He, I think he tied his leg to the, to the ring apron and then won via countout. I don't know. Sami Zayn's going to have to be really clever to beat Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley does not lose too many matches. So we'll just see. We'll just see how Sami Zayn does with Bobby Lashley, but... I, I, I would say I would say he's the consider considerable underdog. But that's just uh, that's just speculation. Who knows? Um, then in the tag team champions versus tag team champions match, we got the New Day versus the Street Profits on SmackDown right now. The Street Profits are doing this thing where they cut promos with Big E, who's on SmackDown while New Day's on Raw. New Day uh, just defended the tag title successfully on Raw there. So um, really, that that should be. A great match. I mean, the Street Profits, since they've been on the main roster, have been one of, if not the top tag teams in WWE. And the New Day is arguably one of, if not the greatest tag teams in WWE history. So that should be an interesting match there. I want New Day to win. Um, I don't know who's going to win. Obviously, I wouldn't say if I did. But the the New Day for me, they've accomplished so much that it would just... I just feel like they've earned one of these champions versus champions matches at Survivor Series wins. And they've never done it. It's been the Viking Raiders, the Authors of Pain, who have been released, and and uh, and the Usos. The Usos, Viking Raiders, Authors of Pain have won these matches. New Day never have. I think like, this is like one thing that New Day hasn't accomplished. Uh, I'm hoping that they do it on Sunday. Then, in the women's champion versus champion match, this will steal the show. This will be the best match by a country mile, which I guess is longer than a normal mile. Asuka, the Raw Women's Champion versus Sasha Banks, the SmackDown Women's Champion, also star of The Mandalorian. I don't know who I want to win this match. I'm huge fans of both of them. You could argue... And I think you'd be right that these are the two best wrestlers in WWE's women's divisions. I think so. Who would be better? I like Charlotte Flair, but she's not better than either of these two. And strict, like, in-ring stuff. And neither is Becky Lynch. 
Like Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey are bigger stars than these two. Charlotte Flair is a bigger star than these two. But these two are the best wrestlers, aren't they? I think they are. I think they are. Well, they'll get a chance to prove it at Survivor Series, but that, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a hard one too, you know? I mean, Shayna Baszler, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey are the three to have won women's champion versus champion matches at Survivor Series. One of Asuka and Sasha Banks will be added to that. Now, in terms of men's champion versus champion matches at Survivor Series, they've only ever done two before, and Brock Lesnar won both of them. But Brock Lesnar's not going to be involved in this one. You've got Randy Orton, Raw's WWE champion, going up against Roman Reigns, SmackDown's Universal champion. And God, oh, man, here are two first ballot Hall of Famers. Easy, easy. Both of these guys go into the hall of fame the second they retire as soon as they announce their retirement they're going in the next induction ceremony that's the level that these two guys are at roman reigns has just taken it to another level on smackdown smackdown right now is light years ahead of raw and roman reigns plays an important role in that so does sasha banks so does bailey sasha banks and bailey big part of why SmackDown's ratings are so big. Like if you look at, if you go on the television ratings thing on our site, uh, look at SmackDown. I mean, they were on FS1 a few weeks ago and did terrible. But if you look at the ratings since the draft, aside from that one, they're up over, like they're way over, they're over 2 million. They're at like 0.6 in the key demo. And you think like, wow, SmackDown really won the draft. Because they've got the, the three three of the biggest angles in the company are all on SmackDown. Roman Reigns as the tribal chief, Sasha Banks versus Bailey, uh, and they, which is just killing it, and then you've got Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins. So, you know, although I guess they just kind of ended that feud on on, on Friday, but man, like SmackDown, SmackDown seemed like it it really came away the winner from the draft. And may, maybe that's WWE valuing the deal with Fox more than they value the deal with the USA network. I don't know, but this is going to be a very important match between Roman Reigns and Randy Orton. And one of them is going to join Brock Lesnar as the only male champion in WWE to win a champion versus champion match at survivor series. So that's survivor series next Sunday. It's shaping up to be an important show. It's an even more important show if you just sprinkle in a little bit of the head cannon I mentioned before. And briefly, did want to go over some of the events that took place for Impact Wrestling at Turning Point on Saturday. So if you don't want to know what happened there, if you're going to watch it later, you know, pause this or whatever. Uh, so two titles changed hands at Turning Point. The first to change hands, the Good Brothers defeated the North, becoming the new tag team champions in Impact Wrestling. I mean, they're clearly becoming sort of the guys that they're building the promotion around. And it's clear that Gallows and Anderson, I mean, have an ability to get eyes on their product. They've put out this these pay-per-views on Fight. They had their second one go out on Friday. These are the Talking Shop of Mania ones. I saw the first one. I 
decided I didn't need to see the second one. But if you if you like sort of just stupid humor and and things like that, I mean they're only fifteen bucks and they run like a couple hours. Um, so that went out on fight, and then the next night the Good Brothers defeat the North. Nothing crazy went on in the match. Just a straight tag team wrestling match. Good Brothers won with a very little fanfare, and now they're on top of a fairly deep tag team division. So look at Impact's tag team division right now. On, on top, you got the Good Brothers. Then you got the North. Now, the North's contracts, or at least Ethan Page's, are coming up. But sounds like if all things are equal, he'd stay in Impact if they offer him the same money that he can get anywhere else. You got the North. You got the Motor City Machine Guns, except for Alex Shelley is on the shelf right now with an injury. Uh, you got James Storm is back. So James Storm and Chris Saban actually teamed up. They defeated Triple XL um, at uh, Turning Point. So don't know if James Storm, uh, how much he's going to be with Impact, but he was there at uh, Bound for Glory as well. So, so it's, you know, Impact has really decided like, okay, tag team wrestling, we're going to get deeper into tag team wrestling a little bit. They're losing the Rascals. They're losing the Rascals, who announced that uh, on Tuesday is going to be their last day with Impact. There's a few rumors out there about where they they might be headed, but we'll just wait until something is official. Uh, the Rascals, in storyline, the idea is that they got evicted from their treehouse because uh, they hadn't paid rent in two years. And that also means that they're gone from Impact Wrestling as well. So they're going to have like a farewell match on Tuesday where I think Trey Miguel is going to team with Rich Swan. They're going to take on Dez and Wentz, and that's going to be sort of the Rascals' farewell to the promotion. They'd been there for two years, basically since the, well, a little bit before the new regime came in, but then playing a big role when the new regime came in. Uh, still, though, lots of lots of great tag teams in the division, um, and uh, we'll see. You know, the Good Brothers are, are, are going to have some competition, especially when Alex Shelley comes back. And we'll see what they do in Impact Wrestling. The second title to change hands at Turning Point, Deanna Perrazzo defeated Sue Young to regain the Knockouts Championship that she lost at Bound for Glory. So here's how this all played out. At Bound for Glory, Deanna Perrazzo was supposed to wrestle Kylie Ray. Uh, unfortunately, Kylie is going through uh, some personal issues, some private matters at, uh, at the moment, and she's... Uh, was unable to make the show and is um, not 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 currently in any plans. Uh, has said that she's retired. Uh, just kind of let all that shake out. But uh, so then Sue Young came out, and this actually worked from a storyline perspective because Susie uh, Sue Young's alter ego is Susie, this sort of like aloof but nice person. And uh, Susie had sort of been slowly morphing back into the devious, undead bride, Sue Young. And then so for Kylie Ray just to not come out at Bound for Glory and then Sue Young to answer the open challenge. It's sort of like it's almost like there was uh, uh, like it implied that Sue Young had done something with Kylie. Right. So so Sue Young, I, I'm not sure if other people kind of took that, but. That's maybe that was just me doing headcanon again. I don't know. So Sue Young comes out, beats Dorana Perazzo for the title. Then on impact later, R.D. Evans. So R.D. Evans, you might remember him from Ring of Honor. He was like a manager there. He went on to be a writer with WWE. 
at the last Hall of Fame where Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart were being inducted, he got into a big fight with Vince McMahon about Bret Hart mentioning Vince McMahon during his speech. Or, well, I think it was deeper than that. It was just how that segment came up. Nothing to do with the guy who ran in, but just something to do with how, with some Hall of Fame segment that R.D. Evans was apparently a part of or a part of writing. And so R.D. Evans just got up and said, I quit. Let this be a lesson to you. Goodbye. And he's now with Impact, working behind the, the scenes there, along with other former WWE writers like Jimmy Jacobs, who also left WWE as a writer in sort of a, a high-profile way. So R.D. Evans comes in. He's acting as Deanna Perrazzo's, um lawyer. And he's like, you know, Deanna Perrazzo didn't know Sue Young was there. She planned for a different match. And Scott Demore's like, ah, uh, all right, she'll wrestle Sue Young. Give her a rematch. But then Sue Young gets disqualified in that match. She used a chair or something. And so they said, okay, to make sure that there's no disqualifications, we'll make this dis- this match a turning point, a no DQ match between Deanna Perrazzo and Sue Young. Now, I really enjoy watching Deanna Perrazzo matches because she's very... Like, her whole thing is that she's the virtuoso. So she's a very technical wrestler. She's very well worse on submissions and complicated wrestling maneuvers. And I was trying to explain, like, her gimmick is that if this was music, everybody else would be, like, playing guitar and drums, and she'd be a classical pianist. She'd be playing the cello. She's a classical wrestler when everybody else... She's a classical musician when everybody else is a punk rocker. You know what I mean? She does everything, and, and she'll do everything... She'll work under the smartest strategy that she can. And she would cut promos like when she first came into Impact. She was like, of course I'm going to target the champion first. I'm going to come in, I'm going to attack her after the match, and then I'll be given a title match. Because she's smart. And she, and she knows what will happen. And she targets limbs. And she wrestles smart. And so I felt she wrestled a really smart, no disqualification match against Sue Young. And she finished it off by Sue Young went to go hit her with a mist. She held up this canvas, like a, like a painter has a canvas that they paint a picture on. Then the mist all blew onto this canvas. She takes the canvas, hits Sue Young over the head with it. Some other stuff happened. Uh, she had her in the, the Velas de Milo submission, but Sue Young wouldn't go unconscious, wouldn't submit. But then Deanna Perrazzo hit a pile driver. She's calling the Cosa, Nost- Cosa Nostra. And they, they, they did this very good. Madison Rain mentioned on commentary that both at Bound for Glory and again in the rematch on Impact's weekly show, Perrazzo tried to hit this pile driver, but wasn't able to. She finally hits it at turning point and she Gets the pin. She pins Sue Young after debuting a new finishing move. Deanna Perrazzo, once again, your knockout champion. Thought that was a, it was a very interesting uh, way to get there. And I thought they, they had a really fun match. Perrazzo and Sue Young did. So lots of things going on in Impact Wrestling. Uh, the knockouts championship, the knock, or sorry, the knockouts tag title championship tournament is going to take place this uh it's going to start on tuesday it's an 18 single elimination tournament and on at turning point they announce the brackets so here are the brackets for the knockouts tag team title tournament 
beginning on Tuesday. So Tennille Dashwood and Alicia Edwards are going to team up. And this was set up in sort of like a backstage segment at Turning Point. They face Havoc and Nevaeh first. Um, that should be interesting. Havoc and Nevaeh defeated Tennille Dashwood and Madison Rain on a recent episode of Impact. So we'll see if Dashwood and Alicia Edwards can do a bit better. Killer Kelly and Renee Michelle will be making their Impact Wrestling debuts. They're going to take on Jordan Grace and a tag team partner to be named later. Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles are going to take on Team C-Stars, and that's Ashley Vox and Delmai Exo. Oh, God, I've probably butchered that pronunciation. But Team C-Stars are former Shimmer Tag Team Champions. And the final first-round match of the eight-team single elimination tournament uh, knockouts champion Deanna Perrazzo is going to team with her running buddy Kimberly. They'll go up against Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary. So the Impact's Knockouts Tag Team Titles Tournament starting this Tuesday. And just a few more news bits I wanted to get out there before we end it for this week. One thing that I think a lot of wrestling fans will be happy to know is Becky Lynch is due to give birth pretty soon. I'm not really too sure when, but it's soon. She announced her pregnancy earlier this spring. And uh, the the rumors going around is that she's due to give birth sometime soon. So it shouldn't be too much longer now that we hear an announcement that the DNA of Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch have combined together to create a really tiny human that we can all watch grow up over the next few years or next several years and decades, I guess. So I thought, Hey, that's, that's good news. We can all, uh, we can all, you know, count on and not, I, I, it'll be the first offspring ever of two people who have both main evented WrestleMania. So that's a stat. That's a statistic right there. Uh, also want to also mention that on Wednesday, November the 18th this week, Major League Wrestling returns. They start the restart episode of MLW Fusion. They got a big main event lined up for this week as Davey Boy Smith Jr. challenges the Contra Unit's Jacob Fatu for the MLW World Championship. That should be a big match with two of the biggest stars for that promotion. Let's see, is there anything else we want to talk about this week and you know coming up uh, for wwe it's the go home week for the survivor series so with the survivor series we will uh push this show back by a day and hopefully get it out on tuesday next week so we can talk more about what takes place at the survivor series so thanks again everybody for supporting this show supporting spoiler free wrestling also don't forget to check out wrestling's greatest war where we run down Everything that happened during the Monday Night Wars. We just finished 1996, and we have a 1996 wrap-up show due to hit the site this week. Thanks again, everyone. I'm Ian from Spoiler Free Wrestling.